title of the message today, The Great Helper. Would you say that with me? Say, The Great Helper. helper. Come on, you can do better than that. Say, The Great Helper. So if it's your first time at Church on the Hill, you'll, you'll notice that we're a little different. We don't believe uh, that the church should be all white people. Somebody say amen. We don't believe it should be all black people. Somebody say amen. We don't believe it should be all Hispanic people. Everybody say amen. Or Asian. We believe it should be a blend of all the cultures that God created. In fact, we say it like this. If you don't like black people, don't go to heaven. If you don't like white folk, don't go to heaven. In fact, we believe that what's so beautiful about our lives is that we all need a little bit of vanilla, a little bit of chocolate, some caramel. Come on, somebody. And we need all of that and a little bit of curry all in our life. Isn't that good? Somebody say amen. And so that's who we are. And so we welcome you to participate with us in the word of the Lord today. And what I mean by that is as I minister something, if it, if it touches your heart, it's okay for you to say, amen, amen, that's good, or oh, pastor, that hurt my feelings, stop, whatever, but what, we're wanna, what I don't want to do, uh, what I love about my wife, um, when my little girl was real little, uh, she would walk around the house with her plastic cell phone going, oh my goodness, are you serious? Oh my goodness, and she got that from watching her mom talk on the phone, and if you've ever had a conversation with my wife, the, what's so beautiful about it is she's engaged in the conversation, and she lets you know that by responding, is that right? Oh my goodness, that's awesome, and so what happened happens many times, uh, depending on where you came from doctrinally, or excuse me, uh, your background in church life, you, you probably were taught to sit there and just look at them. Well, friend, don't do that to me today. Engage with me a little bit and let me know that Jesus is ministering to you. So is Jesus Christ Lord say yes? Do you love him with all of your heart say yes? Amen. So again, we've titled the message today, The Great Helper. Turn to the person next to you and say, The Great Helper. So our key scripture today is Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. We quoted this a couple weeks ago in our Fuller House series. If you're struggling in your marriage or you have a desire to have a strong marriage or raise your children a little bit better and do, uh, do it the way that the Lord would intend you, we did a series last month called Fuller House. Go to our website. You can listen to the podcast for free. Really help you. It was phenomenal. But in that series, I quoted this passage out of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, but I want to make it the key scripture today. And it says it like this. It says, the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. And all the men said, amen. Because I will make him a helper suitable for him. So when God created all the things that he created, he said it was good on every one of the, every one of the days as he finished creation. And after he had created Adam, he looked at him and said, out of everything I've created, everything's good except this ain't so good. Because you know what? Adam needs some help. Come on now. And so I'll create for him a helper. Now, a lot of times we don't like to be called a helper because that says some type of sign of, that gives us some kind of uh, innuendo that we're below the leader. We're the helper, if you will. That's not at all what's insinuated here. In fact, you don't get somebody to help you unless they're better than you. You don't go, you don't go to the doctor to help you get well because he's an idiot. You go to him because he knows more than you know. Somebody say amen. You don't call somebody to dig you out of the ditch when you wrecked your car that doesn't know how to get you out of the ditch. You got somebody who's got the machinery and the know-how and they get you out of the ditch. So when God looked at Adam, he said, that boy needs some help. That boy, needs, I'm going to get him a helper and she's going to be strong and stronger than he is in so many ways. Isn't that good? Say yes. And so as we look in scripture today, I just wanted to point out that, that moms are the great helpers. Would you believe that? Say yes. You say, you know, moms are the great helpers. You think about that. I, I, who helped you with homework the first time? It was mom. Dads, we don't know. It's like, dude, I don't know. Ask your mom. In fact, in my house, the word mom, where's mom, is said more than any other statement all throughout my house, all throughout the week. The other day I was standing there and the kids came in for something and uh, they were looking for something. I said, hey, y'all need some help? They go, yeah, where's mom? Go, what do you mean where's mom? I'm standing right here. 
Well, we, yeah, it's good, Dad, but we know who can really get us help. It's mom, because mom's help. Isn't that right? Say yes. And so today, as we dive into the scripture, I want to go from uh, these scriptures today. I want to I kind of connect that mom being the great helper with Jesus Christ, the great helper as well. So let's kind of honor moms for a little bit. And I want to look in the scripture at some of the great moms of the, of the holy scriptures and, uh, and just kind of look at what they did, how they helped the society they were in, how they changed the world through helping the God purposes that were trying to transpire. And so let's start first with Deborah. Everybody say Deborah. Deborah in the book of Judges is this amazing woman. This is going to mess some of your theology up as we go to Judges chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapithoth, was leading Israel at that time. Can I just say this? Don't name your child Lapidoth. I mean, just name him something better. But Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth was leading Israel at that time. There goes your theology. God had a woman leading Israel. Now, can I put in perspective what's happening here? In this moment, you know, Israel, for you guys that don't really know the history there, let me kind of give you a back- backdrop. Israel are God's people. So, well, that don't mean a whole lot to me. Let me explain that to you. So, in the earth, three, four thousand years ago, most of humanity had turned their back on God. And what had happened it was over time, their great, great, great grandparents knew God, but they kind of forgot about Him as they went on with life. But there was one man on the earth that was faithful to the Lord. His name was Abraham. And Abraham loved the Lord even though he could not see Him. He interacted with a God that he didn't even have speaking to Him audibly. Abraham loved and believed in God. That's why he's called the Father faith. And with that, the Lord looked down on earth and said, that man right there is faithful to me. So he comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I'm going to make a covenant with you. You love me and I love you. And as a result, if you will be faithful to me and your children and your grandchildren and your great grandchildren, I'll be faithful to them. And I will be your God and you'll be my people. And he said, and, and if, if you will come into covenant relationship with me, I will be there for you all the days of your life, and you will be protected, and you will be watched over by me, the one true living God. And as you and I know, Abraham came into covenant with God, and he gave birth to children, who gave birth to children, who gave birth to children, and Father Abraham had many sons. Come on, you had VBS back in the day. You don't remember that song? That's what it's talking about. And so, and what happened was, those people became Israel, or the Jews as we know them today are Israelis, as we see in the news. They were God's chosen people. Not because all of the people were so good, but because they came in a covenant relationship with their father Abraham, with their great-grandfather Abraham. And they were then God's people. And they had in their body the mark of that covenant through circumcision. And so we see that all of the Bible, with the exception of few of the books of the Bible, are all focused towards the Jews, towards the Israelis. Jesus came to earth as a Jew. He is the God of the Jews. We, as non-Jews, have been grafted in by grace. Thank you, Jesus. He's allowed us to be a part of his family by faith in Jesus Christ. Now you get it? And so what was happening in this time in the book of Judges, chapter 4, Israel was on one of their deals where they were back again, not serving God. They were in relationship with him, but they would go chase these false gods, whether it be Baal or the sun god of worship or whatever, and they would go live and have these, and have these crazy parties with all the heathen of the earth who didn't believe in Jehovah God, and they were constantly going back and forth. So God would lift his hand off and say, fine, if you're going to serve me, I don't know what to tell you. If you're going to break relationship, I'm here. When you're ready, repent. I'll still be here. But my favor lifts off of you because you walk away from me. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. That kid lives in your house. He's got all the benefits of your house. If he moves out on his own, 
fine. Hope it works. And so that's what basically God did. And so in this stage, in Judges chapter 4, the Canaanites have been wreaking havoc on the Israelites. They have beat them down. They have messed with them. They've all but enslaved them. They're constantly warring with them and destroying them. And Israel doesn't have a professional army. And literally, in this moment, Deborah becomes the leader of Israel. She's a female prophetess, as the Word of God says. And so there's this moment, if you'll keep reading in this passage, and I'll just kind of cover it, um, that God comes to her and says, listen, I'm tired, and I'm hearing, I'm tired of the Canaanites beating you down, and I'm hearing the repentant hearts of many of the Israelites. So here's what I want you to do. Call Barak, not Obama, Barak, call this guy, and tell him he can be the general for me, and go raise up an army, and, I, and go fight the Canaanites, and I'll do a miracle, even though they don't have a professional army. And so she calls Barak. And she says, God told me to tell you that if you'll raise up an army and go fight the Canaanites, that he'll give them into your hand. And Barak does something that you don't see anywhere else in the Bible. He says, I ain't doing it unless you go with me. I need your help, Miss Deborah the prophetess. I need your help. And she responds in a crazy kind of way. She says, oh, really? Is that right? Well, let me just say this to you. I'll go with you and help you. But just know this. For all of history, it will go down that you wasn't man enough to do it by yourself and you had to ask a woman for help and that's how it's going to be. And that's how it went down in scripture. So she went with him. They rallied a bunch of troops, got about 10,000. They went out, they fought and they were winning the battle all because a woman said, I will help. All because she says, all right, but you know the ramifications. You won't get all the glory for it. You'll have to share it with me, but I will help. Everybody say, I will help. This is the nature of a mom. This is what moms do. They help when no one else will help. Come on. You know who answered the phone at midnight when you wasn't supposed to be calling that late? Who answered the phone? Mom didn't. Dad didn't answer the phone. You know who really put the money up to bail you out of jail that time? It wasn't dad. It was mom. Moms always help. Who taught you how to brush your teeth? It was mom. Moms always help. Who's the one that took your knee when it was all skin up and bandaged it up? It's mom because moms have inside of them this thing that they have to help. I'm always telling Jamie, Jamie, stop. Stop helping them. They're not learning anything. You're doing it for them. Oh, I just, I just can't take it. I just can't take it. That's why some of you, when you read Baby, Baby Wise and they told you, just let them cry and eventually they'll stop crying. You're like, I can't do it. They're under crying. I have to go get them. You know, and now they sleep in your bed and they're 14. You know, come on. At some point, it's gotta, you got you to stop helping them. And, so, and that's exactly what Deborah does. She helps. And as a result, they begin to win the battle. They begin to push back the Canaanites. Now, the Canaanites had a, had a, had a, a hero general named Sesera. And Sesera had beat everybody, man. He was the best general. And man, Barak was really intimidated of him. But he was able to start winning the battle. And as a result, they're, they're, the Israelites are so winning. Deborah's there prophesying. Barak's there fighting. It's this awesome combination. And, and, and the Canaanites begin to flee. And the general, Sesera of the Canaanites, he begins to run away as well. And as he's running away, he goes to one of his buddies that he has business with, and he goes to his house to try to hide because Barak and all the Israelis are chasing, trying to find this guy, because they know if they kill the general, he won't be able to go back to Cana, raise up another big army, and come back and destroy him. So they got to kill this guy, Sesera. So he's running and hiding, and he goes to their house, and his buddy is out of town, or he's not there, but his wife is there, and her name is Jael. Everybody say JL. 
Jael's there, and he comes to her, and he says, listen, listen, can you, can you hide me? Can you, can, they're coming to get me. Now, she's probably, uh, uh, she's probably, I mean, she's for the Lord, and she's not for this guy, but her and her, hus- her husband and him do business, and so she's trying to be sensitive to that. She goes, absolutely, I'll hide you. And so she's hiding me, and, uh, and he goes, listen, I'm really thirsty. You know, come on, after you've been fighting all uh, a full round of, of blows, can, do you have anything I can drink? And, and what Jael does, and she puts together her famous goat milk concoction with a little bit of codeine in it. And she says, here, drink this. And as he drinks the warm goat milk with a little bit of codeine in it, I don't know if he had codeine, I'm just saying that. And uh, he begins to fall asleep and rusted. And I'd like to pick up from there as J.L. has helped this guy uh, hide him, quote, hide him from the Israelite army and has now given him warm milk and he's fallen asleep. So if you'll pick up with me in Judges chapter 4 and verse 21. It says, but Jael, Abair, no, Erber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went in quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground and he died. The moral of the story, don't mess with mama. (laughs) I'm going to tell you that right now. Don't mess with mama in unrighteousness. This girl takes a tent, and she sneaks up in there with this tent pit. He's laying like, ow! When God needed to deliver Israel from the Canaanites, he got a helper in Deborah. Then, as the enemy chief is somehow fleeing and going to get away and be able to raise up another army to fight against Israel again, he finds some help from another young lady named J.L. And he doesn't just find a little bit of help. She woos him asleep and then kills that dude with a, with a, with a uh, peg down through his brain. She could have killed him any kind of way. She could have snuck out in the tent and said, hey, he's in here. And they could all come running in. She got her hands dirty. Why? Because moms help. That's what moms do. They help. They get in the middle of it and they fix it because moms have the very nature of God inside of them. The moment you're born, they take responsibility for you in a way that's unprecedented. And they can't help but help. Some of you have been so mad at your mom, she's always in my business because she can't help but help. It's what God put inside of her. It's what God made her to do. It's the very nature and one of the key characteristics of our God. He helps us when we're weak. He comes to us and helps us when we destroy our very lives. And we see her helping, Jael, Deborah. I, I want to look at another woman. I think this is precious. I want to skip over to this woman that's one of my favorite women in Scripture, and her name is Rahab. Rahab, in Joshua chapter 2, is one of my favorite women in all of Scripture, and uh, Rahab is a prostitute. Now, she's not my favorite woman because of her prostitution. She's my favorite woman because how God asked her to help, and she did. It's in a time where Israel has finally been given the promised land, and they're to go into the promised land and take back land that God had given to them, although they had never occupied it. And people, uh, there was, a, there was a, a big city called Jericho. Come on, you remember Veggie Tales? And so, uh, and, and as the story goes, they're going to march around it, and the walls are going to fall. Well, way before there's ever a marching around the walls, Israel doesn't know how they're going to conquer these, this fortified city. It's unpenetrable. And so what they do is they send in two spies. Well, these two spies get into the city, the walls, the walls are there, and they're spying out the inner workings of the city to see how they might could break in. Well, in the midst of that, somebody let the cat out of the bag, and somebody...
It's to say, there are spies in the city. So they lock down the city. All the gates shut, all the windows are shut. And the guards and the, and the warriors begin to go from house to house to find out who in here ain't from Jericho. Whoever's a spy is going to die. And so they start going from house to house. So the two spies from Israel, they go to the prostitute Rahab's house. And they said, listen, will you hide us? And she has a moment where she has to choose. Am I going to help the Jerichoans, where I'm from, or am I going to help the people of God because I recognize God is with them? And she makes the choice, I will help the people of God. She hides the two spies. The warriors and the, and the guards all come through her house. They can't find them. She lets them out of the window that night, and they escape. And God uses this woman to take Israel into its promised land. He needed help to get the spies in and get them out so that they could do what God had them to do. And he picks a prostitute to accomplish his will because he needed help. And a prostitute said, I'll help, Lord. I'm on your side. I'll do what needs to be done. They come. They march around the walls. They fall. They go in. They kill everyone except for Rahab and her family. They then incorporate her into the Israelite life. She makes Jehovah her God and begins to serve Jehovah God. Can I tell you why I love Rahab so much? Because she is the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ. That's right. Your Messiah comes from a prostitute lineage. Come on, somebody. In other words, God will take anything and anyone and all of our brokenness if we'll surrender to him and he will make right what we've made wrong and he'll make beauty come out of ashes. He'll bring deliverance from the people you and I think are worthless. He'll take someone that you think is all gross and he'll do something supernatural because they're willing to help. Are you with me? Say yes. The great helper. I would be remiss today to do a couple character studies of some of the women of the Bible and the great helpers that they were to our society, to God's purposes, to the people of God, without mentioning Mary. A little young teenage girl who had grown up loving God, doing the traditions that she was taught to go to the synagogue, to pray, to be faithful, to keep herself pure. An angel of the Lord appears to her and says, you're going to be with a child. And she says, there's no way, because I've never had sex. That can't happen. And he says, no, 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 no. God the Father, the Godhead, is going to cause your womb to bear the Messiah. And you will give birth to the Messiah, and you will help him. I think it's interesting that when God decided to send the deliverer for humanity to the earth, that he sent him through the womb of a woman. He could have brought him onto the, he could have cracked the skies open and came down like Arnold Schwarzenegger, bowed up, ripped to the hill, 10 feet, 20 feet tall, and said, hey, you will follow me, for I am God. But he didn't send him in that form. He could have sent him in the form of a mist that would come over people. Oh, I feel something, and then voices start speaking to you. Could have done that. But he sent him into the womb of a woman that would help him because as he was born someone had to hold him someone had to feed him come on somebody somebody had to put salve on his little scraped up knees can you imagine how many times she tried to bathe him and he kept splitting the water and having to walk him, I'm just kidding, walking him through that process, helping him. So when God the Father said, I'm going to send my son, the Messiah, I'm going to send him a helper to help him get to the place that he needs to be so that he can become the Messiah for all of humanity. 
And he picked a little teenage girl. Come on, somebody. Because moms are the great helpers. They can't help but be the great helpers. We love you, moms. We honor you today. You are like Jesus in so many ways. But the greatest way that you're like Jesus is that you're the great helper. George Washington said it like this. It's so powerful. He said, my mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, physical education I received from her, President George Washington. Miss Jones, second grade teacher, was doing a science lesson, and she brought out a magnet, and she was teaching the kids how magnets worked, and how they would pick up nails and other pieces of iron and metal. Now it's time for question time. So Miss Jones sat there, and she said, my name begins with the letter M, and I pick things up. What am I? And a little boy on the front row threw his hand up and says, I know, your mom, because <clears throat> that's what moms do. They pick up all of our messes. Moms, we love you and appreciate you. That part of who you are, you were there for us when no one else is there. You've helped us when we were scared to death to go to school for the first time. You helped us become the men and women that we are today. And I want you to know that that comes from the very nature of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says it like this, and this is one of my favorite passages in Psalms chapter 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. An ever-present help in time of trouble. See, what happens to us is as children, we're used to receiving help from moms and even from dads. 
But then we grow up, and what happens is we become self-sufficient. We become self-reliant. And if we're not careful, we become humanist, which is the concept that everything that I need, desire, and want comes from me, not from somewhere else. Whereas I'm more of a theist where I believe everything that matters in life, everything I need, want, comes from God. And so what happens is before we know it, we have no need for the living God, or so we think. And as a child, everything that we could ever do, everything we could ever need, a a mom cares for it, and a dad comes alongside as well. But then as we become adults, we don't think we need any help, and we, in fact, we have it figured out. We'll get a job, get a good education, get a good job, get some good money coming in, buy a house, have some kids, and do that process all the way to the end of life. The problem is life doesn't work that easily, does it? Problems happen. Difficulty comes. Keeping relationships strong becomes difficult. And then there's this thing to grapple with, and that is eternity. If there is a living God and he desires to have a relationship with me, and he is the creator of all creation, and at the end of, judge, at the end of life, judgment will happen. Whether I accepted him, lived for him, knew him, or didn't know him, I will then be separated out either to his side or away from him. Then there's this thing that we have to grapple with that life is more than about the 70 to 85 years that I might get on this planet, there's an entire eternity that is laying in the balance based on whether or not I call on his help and ask him to be my great helper. For he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. Some of you don't know this about me, but there was a time in my life where I couldn't speak. I had trouble speaking. And uh, I would mumble a little bit, but I, I, just, I just couldn't speak. And then at the same time, I had this difficulty where I couldn't walk. And I literally had to be carried everywhere. And uh, it was embarrassing. But, you know, you make, make it through the things you go through. And at the same time, I couldn't control my own bowels. And so I had to wear, like, like the Depends undergarments kind of things. And, um, and I, I, didn't, I, had, I didn't have the ability to communicate. I couldn't stand or walk. And, um, and then God started doing a miracle in me. And I think it started somewhere as I started turning two. I was able to stand. And then I started learning how to walk a little bit. And then I didn't need the diapers anymore. You're getting it. I know you're slow, but you are getting it. You're going to get it at some point. You're like, I didn't know that about him. Bless his heart. Yeah, see, we all at some point have pooed on ourselves. Come on now, let's just be honest with life. At some point, we needed someone to help us. Come on, stay with me. I'm going somewhere with this. At some point, you couldn't talk. You couldn't defend yourself. You couldn't stand up for what was right and what was wrong. You needed a helper. And somehow, as we become adults, we think that we don't need a helper anymore, friend. I'm here to tell you, you need a helper more than you've ever needed a helper. And that Jesus Christ is an ever-present help in time of trouble. In other words, no matter how bad life gets, he can be present in your trouble with you if you'll but call upon his name. He is the great helper. You think moms are great helpers? They only got that from the king of glory. He put that in their DNA, but it came from him. It's inside of a mom because Jesus Christ is the creator of being the great helper, the great helper who will be there for you when everyone else has turned their back on you, when everything else in life doesn't seem to be working. I have learned to cry out to the Lord and say, help for some reason. When we were children, we knew the power of crying out for help. But now as we get mature, we think we can fix it in our own strength. And how's that working out for you, bro? I have learned that I'm helpless without Jesus. That with him, all things can make sense 
and with him, life can have value and that all the mess that I create, the great helper will come and help me get out of it. Are you with me? Say yes. Look at this passage in Hebrews. I love Hebrews 2 and 18. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. you got to understand this. Jesus Christ could have stayed in heaven, void of the understanding. Can you imagine? The, uh, those of us that are fellows, we don't get it. It's like, dude, how bad could childbirth be? Because we don't ever have to give birth, right? So it's like, I don't have a point of context for that. I don't really feel your pain. I think that's probably what God was a little bit like. I don't understand. Why are you tempted? So God the Father said, I tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to send my son, and he's going to take on human form so he will understand, feel, sense, be tempted just like you and I are so that he can become the advocate, the helper between us and the Father. And so when you and I say, oh, God, it's so hard. I want to kill him. And he says, I know, baby. I was on that cross thinking, should we do this? or should just fly them all and I walk through it and he's able to be an ever present help and we can come to him and say help me and it's not that he's void of understanding it just the opposite he can say I know I've been there and let me show you how to come out of it let me help you up through it let me get you on past it because if you don't then you'll end up being bitter and you'll be wounded and you'll be a, a mean old person if you don't now learn how to walk with me as I've walked through it as well see that's the beauty You don't ask somebody to come help you that hadn't already done it. And that's what this scripture is saying. He's already been there. He's not void from it. He's not removed from the difficulty that you're going through. He understands it because he himself went through it, but he did not sin. So he can keep you from sinning and keep you from going forth into temptation and and going away from the Lord, but coming back to the Father. Isn't that good? Say yes. Hebrews 4, 16 says it like this. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I don't know about you, but I have learned that I can come before daddy and say, help, and he'll say, come on, baby, I got you. It's amazing. It's amazing how no one else will help you, but mama will always help you. It's in her DNA. She can't help it. Dad's like, why are you giving them money? I told you not to give them money. Well, they need it. They can't pay the house, no. Yeah, but they're 80. Stop. Why? Because moms can't help. That's what this is saying. That we can boldly come to the throne of grace and say, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I know I messed it up. I know I've done wrong. But help me, Jesus. And because he's the great helper. He's not helping you because you're so good. He's helping you because he's so good. Because he's the great helper. You wouldn't expect your mom to reject you. That's why when moms and and children have these broken relationships because the child says she wasn't there for me, the brokenness of that, the the horror that mom didn't help when I needed help because something about that's not natural. That's exactly right. It's not natural because in her is this thing to help no matter what. You know, like they always say, a a face only a mama can love. I mean, you got that whole only mom, she'll never leave me. She'll always be beside me. And that's the same expectation we can have for the living God. We can say, I can come boldly into your presence, and I can ask for help, and you will give it. But here's the problem. We don't ask for help. We think we can fix this life in our own strength. We think we don't need help. I like this last piece that we'll quote, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Can I tell you something? Because I've surrendered my life to the living God, because Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, I don't doesn't matter to me if, you know, North Korea bombs us and we die. 
Doesn't matter to me if they take the buildings away or they put me in prison for loving Jesus. What can man do to me? I'm committed and in relationship with the great helper. And in all things, he'll find a way of escape for me. He will care for me because I am his own. Just like mama cares for you, no matter what everybody else says, mama's got you back. This is who our God is. This is who you and I need to come to. I want to give you three things to do to get God's help. Number one, are you with me? Say yes. You need to recognize you need it. You need to recognize you need it. That's been the problem. Is that you don't recognize you need help. I can fix this. I can fix this. I know. I, I know. And, and, and what will happen is you'll come to me. Pastor, can you help me with this? Can you help me with this? The greatest help I could ever give you is connect you to the great helper. That's the greatest help I could ever give you. I, I can't. I'm human. I'm limited. You don't want me. I can't dig you out of that ditch. But the king of glory can. In one move. In one moment. Jobs. I've seen them turn around. In one moment, I've seen marriages that were on their way to divorce. They were past being reconciled. And in one moment, God turned it around. I've seen it. Because what? Because they came to him. And they recognized, I need your help. You you alone can help me. You and you alone are the God of my life. And I need to stop trying to be my own God. Here's the second thing that I've learned if we're going to get God's help. And that is, we need to cry out. Everybody say, cry out. It's amazing to me that you teach children how to brush their teeth. And they learn. They don't know how to do it. Especially when they just have one. It's amazing to me that we teach children how to walk. Come on. Come on. Yay! It's amazing that we teach them all these things, but we've never had to teach them how to cry. Think about that. You never once go, all right, come on, here you go. Let's go, Damon. Here you go. Go like this. Go, wah! Eh. No, 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 that's not good enough. I won't know it's you. You got to come a little louder. Do like, eh, like that. Try, eh, there you go. There you go. See, you keep texting me. I don't know when to come when you're hungry. I need you to cry. You've never had to teach a child to cry. It comes naturally. Why? Because they know they need help. They know they need help. I meet so many Christians who will never cry out to God because they don't know they need help. They think that they're okay. You're okay, all right, and you're swirling downward, a spiral. The plane is out of control. You're about to crash, and you don't have enough sense to go, help! Let me tell you something I do. I'm humble enough, stupid enough, whatever you want to call me, God help me. I need your help. I cry out to him day and night. I cry out to him for you, for your marriages, for your family, for your children, for your jobs, for your healing. I'm constantly crying out for you. I'm also constantly crying out for me. Oh God, I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix this. I don't, I don't know how to be a, 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 you know, a, a public figure for this city, Lord. I don't know how to, I don't know how to you know, raise kids right without messing them all up. God, help! It's that crying out. It gets God's attention. He goes, okay, let me tell you something. I got I to go help that one. Like, I just don't want to be that person who's always like crying and stuff. Right, you want to be the person who never gets attention. You need God's attention on you. You need his help. And you have to cry out to get it. Isn't that good? Say yes. And the third piece I would teach you if you're going to get God's help, and that is you need to receive that help as he's trying to bring it to you. You need to receive it. There's a difference in crying out for it, recognizing that you need it. And another piece, that, that last piece, is different in that you've got to learn how to receive it. You've got to take it. You know, say, God, I, I receive it. Instead of trying to have it the way you want it, you receive it. Remember that, old, that old, old preacher sermon about the guy who was in his house, you know, and he was in a floodplain and alongside of a river, and the water swelled up, and the rain started coming down. It started swelling up real big, and and, uh, and the guy started praying, oh, God, I need you to deliver me. Deliver me from this. You know, everything's starting to be underwater. He had about a, about a foot of water already in his house. And a guy in a big four-wheel drive truck pulls up. Blah, 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 blah. Jump in. 
Oh, no, that's okay. My God will help me. My God's going to help me. Don't worry about it. Okay. About a couple hours later, the water's about six, seven feet already in the house. There's no way to get out. They're standing on the, on, on the banister of the second floor watching it come up. About that time, a guy pulls up in a boat. Come on, get in. Come on, get in. No, that's okay. My God's going to help me. He's got me. Okay. By this time, the water comes all the way to the roof. And they've got just a little bit of space left, this man and his family. And the helicopter comes over with a, with a little rope hanging down. And, Grab the rope. No, it's okay. My God's going to help me. I'm all right. Thank you. The water comes up. The man and his family drown. And he's standing before the king of glory there. And he's saying, God, I'm so mad at you. You let me drown. You, you didn't help me. God said, you big dummy, I sent a truck, I sent a boat, and a helicopter. And you pushed them all away. See, sometimes what you're looking for, you won't help the, your way. Instead, God's trying to give you help another way. Are you with me? Say yes. So you got to receive the help he's trying to give you. Sometimes it's coming from your wife, bro, and you just need to accept it. Sometimes it's coming from your pastor from the pulpit, you just need to say, I receive it. Okay, I'll take it. Sometimes it's coming from your kid, and your kid's saying, how come you always do this? And you're like, oh my goodness, wow, that's from the Lord. God will send you help but you got to receive it. Are you there? Say yes. And say, I need a million dollars to get out of debt, and God gives you a job, and you say, well, this job will never pay me a million dollars. Work the job. He's sending you help. Get in the truck. Go on. And this is where the problem comes in, is that you and I, we know how to receive the help that a mom can give as an infant, as a toddler. We start struggling with that help as we become teenagers. And then we really have difficulty once we're adults. And so somehow in that transition of life, we become self-sufficient and we don't realize how much we need God's help. And today I would call you to the place that if you don't have God helping you, if you haven't run into the throne of grace and said, help, then friend, you're missing the very core of what Christianity is all about. Would you stand with me all across the room? Every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to minister to you just for about three hours. No, I mean just for a couple minutes. All the visiting folks like, I knew mom was going to make me go to that church. Guy's going to preach all day long. I'm just going to take a couple minutes and minister to you. Listen, no reason to be in a hurry. The Baptist folks have already beat you to babe's chicken. So you're standing in line either way. <laughs> That's why we sell lattes. <laughs> But every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give a call to you. If this message is calling to your heart, if God's sending the truck and the boat to you, the helicopter, don't push it away. If you're in this place today and you're away from God, I've got great news for you. Jesus isn't mad at you. He doesn't hate you. You say, oh, pastor, you don't know what I've been through, what I've been doing. I'm so messed up. Listen, friend, you need help. And if I could give it to you, if I could fix it all, I'd do it. If I had a magic wand or supernatural power that would cause you to love God and get delivered from the things that are destroying your life, I'd give it to you. But there's only one. Only one holy enough to be the sacrifice for our sins. Only one righteous enough. Only one who loves enough. And only one who can help us to the level that eternity really matters. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're away from God, would you consider coming back to Him today? Listen, if your marriage is all messed up and you're struggling with substance abuses and you can't seem to find God in the midst of all this, friend, let me tell you something, cry out for help. That's what I would do. 
In fact, I'd like to give you the opportunity today with every head bowed and every eye closed. No one's looking around. Please, nobody moving. People are making decisions right now, eternal decisions. So I need you to honor them. I won't embarrass you. I won't humiliate you. I'm, I'm not after that. I'm not a guy who needs a notch on my belt because someone made a decision. I just have given my life to the Lord. And whatever he asked me to do, I do it. And right now he's asking me to call you back to him. If you've been away from the Lord, you used to know the Lord. You used to serve Jesus Christ. But life has just happened and you find yourself separated, divorced maybe. But you want to come home. He's welcoming you home. You say, Pastor, I've never known Jesus. I went to church. But I did the little religious thing, you know. But I can't say that I've ever made Jesus my best friend. I don't know if he's ever been my friend. Friend, this is your moment to make him your best friend. Maybe you say, Pastor, when you were talking about not asking for help, I have that tendency. I've been trying to run my life myself. And I'll be honest with you, I've not ever fallen on my face and cried out for help. I've never allowed myself to become like a child. See, the Bible says, the reason why it says it, it says, to follow after me, you have to become like a child. That's why. This is what it's trying to illustrate for us. A total dependency, a a recognition that I can't do it in my own strength. There's no way I can help myself. I need the great power, the one Savior, Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if either you're away from God and you want to return, then I want to pray with you. You say, I've never been a Christian, but I want to become one today, then I want to pray with you. Or you say, you know what, Pastor, I was a Christian, and, but I'll tell you, I, I've gotten myself in such mess, this is my moment. I need to cry out to God for help. I need him to save me and deliver me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if any of that represents you, would you be bold enough? Would you be courageous enough to admit it? Would you cry out for help? Come on, will you finally humble yourself and say, yeah, I need God, I need God, I need God. No one looking around. If that's you, would you lift your hand and admit that to the Lord? To me, no one's going to look at it. God bless you, sister. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sweet ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you for your honesty. I so, I so appreciate that God sees it. The Bible says heaven's going crazy right now. Do you think it was an accident that you got here? God bless you, son. Don't you think that God knew what he was doing to try to get you here? God bless you, son. God bless you, sir. Don't you think it's God that's been wooing you? You don't think mama's been praying? You don't think, you don't think God's been orchestrating these details to get you here? so you can hear truth. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. It's time. I need to get back right with the Lord. I need to cry out to God to deliver me, set me free, help me. I need, a, I need God in my life. Give you about three more seconds and I'm going to move on. I, I just don't want to miss anybody. Thank you, sweetheart, for your honesty. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for being sincere and real. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to lead you in a prayer. I, I explain it like this. If I was at a party and I had a friend and you didn't know my friend and then I see you and I wanted you and my friend to have a relationship, what I would do is I'd go grab you and I'd bring you over and I'd say, hey, this is my friend Jesus. I'd like you to know him. And I'd help start the conversation. Hey, this is Bill. Bill's lived like this. And, and this is Jesus. He died on a cross. And, and, I, and I would interact with you guys until you got connected. And then I would walk away and let you develop your relationship. Well, that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to put your hand in his hand. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. There's nothing magical about the prayer. What's supernatural is your heart desires God. But supernatural is that God has been wooing you, calling to you, trying to get your attention. And today, you and him are going to become best friends. And it'll start a relationship that'll be the most powerful thing that's ever happened in your life. So with, with that being said, if you lifted your hand, then I want to pray with you. And I want you to repeat these words with me. But I want you to mean them. I want them to be your words. I want you to adopt them and mean them from your heart. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray this out with those who lifted their hands. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. Jesus. Now, I'd rather you say it out loud a little stronger. Say, Jesus, Jesus. Today, today 
I surrender. I'm asking you for help. I need help. I need you to change me. I need you to fix my life. I know I've messed it up. I know I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you for grace and mercy. Free me from my sin and the powers that control me. And here and now, I decide Jesus is my Lord. Say it again. Jesus is my Lord. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I ask you to write my name in your book of life. Because I'm serious about this. I'm going to serve you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Would you lift your hands and just receive for a moment? Father, I pray for those who lifted their hands and prayed this prayer maybe for the first time or rededication coming back to you. I pray right now they would sense grace. Grace. I pray they would know that you're running to help them. That their prayer, their cry, like a baby who's crying in the other room, has gotten attention from heaven. And all of heaven's resources are being brought forth to help you. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that every man and woman in this room would sense your mercy and sense the helping power of God for them. Lord, I thank you for your love in Jesus' name. Put your hands down, but keep your head bowed. I want to pray for you. You say, I'm a Christian. I love the Lord, but I need God's help in a situation. I'm destroying this relationship. I mean, I cannot get this financial thing straight. Man, I'll be honest with you. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing in my life. I'm like going in circles. You know, I love God, but man, I got this habit that's just, it's so embarrassing. I'm so humiliated about it. You know, that's why we did this encounter retreat every couple months. We get in there. We got in there this weekend, and God delivered us from those sin habits. Man, we prayed. God came. Prophecy went forth. People got words from God. People got baptized in the Holy Spirit with power. It was unbelievable. He said, Pastor, I don't... I don't know what needs to happen, but I know I need God's help. And friend, right where you're at, under your breath with no one looking around, I want you to picture yourself at the altar of God. You say, what's an altar of God? At the closest place you can get to him. Think about a king on his throne, and you come falling at his feet. Think about those days back in, you know, uh, back in the Middle Ages. The king in all of his power, with all all, all of the powers of the kingdom at his disposal. And you come humbling yourself and fall down on your knees and say, help, king. And he says, absolutely, because I'm your dad, not your king. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name for every man and woman in this room who needs your help. First, I pray they would humble themselves and ask for it. Lord, then I pray, Lord God, that they would become tenacious about it and cry out for it. And Lord, then I pray, Lord God, they would learn to receive. And stop trying to receive on their terms. And start saying, I don't care. Whatever it takes. A truck, a boat, a helicopter, I don't care. I just, whatever, whatever you put in my life, I know it's you working for me. I'll receive it. And I just speak the love of God over you right now. And I speak the help of God over you. I speak it over you and your finances. I speak the help of God over this relationship that you keep destroying. I speak the help of God over you. And the mental things that are going on driving you insane. I speak God's help over you, for he loves you, and he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. And you can call on him and go boldly into his presence, and he will have grace, and he will help you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.